as you spend on these campaigns, there's a hierarchy, right? You you have uh, the campaign level, the tactic level, the channel level. Uh, but on the outcome side, you have hierarchies, right? Some of that spend is dedicated for acquisition. So you can split out uh, new customers versus repeat. Uh, you have some of that spend that ends up being um, specific to a particular category or a particular line of business that you're advertising. So if you're really advertising for uh, Bob's hammers, you don't expect that to have a whole lot of effect on the rest of the merchandise hierarchy. It's that intersection now to say, and you have different margin for different products, right? So now you're at the point of saying, if I had another dollar spin, where would I get the most margin? Where would marketing make the biggest contribution to profit? On this episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast, we have John Wallace, founder and CEO of Datasong, and a 10-year marketing analytics and attribution veteran. You're going to want to listen to how John boosts LTV like a boss and how he kind of dives into why you should be looking at ecosystem or blended metrics versus just looking at platform specific metrics. And lastly, my favorite is how he tests different experiments and how to make the most out of them. So go ahead and sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. But before we begin, if you are a media buyer or agency owner, go to funnel-.com to see how their financial tools can help you scale your ads. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Dylan Carpenter and Zach Johnson. Welcome to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. This is your host, Zach Johnson. I'm with Mr. Dylan Carpenter. Dylan, are you ready to geek out on some data? Oh, yeah, man. You know I'm all about that data, especially a billion dollars worth. Woo! <laughs> I love it. Well, today's guest is the founder, co-founder, and CEO of Lift Lab, which measures over a billion dollars in ad spend. Now, if you're a DC brand uh, or an e-commerce and you've ever wondered what is the attribution, the analytics stack of some of the brands that spend north of 100 million, even 200 million a year in media, this uh, show is gonna be amazing. So, uh, John, the data scientist, welcome to the show. Hey, Zach, thanks for having me on. Hey, Dylan. Yes, yes. So give everybody a high level of uh, your background and uh, Lift Lab. Yeah, uh, you know, I guess I found a passion for data in all places in business school. And maybe that's why I still work in marketing a lot of the times. I've measured all kinds of things in my career, but specialized in marketing measurement um, probably in uh, about 2010. Uh, grew a company called Data Song. We were a multi touch attribution provider uh, to a lot of top brands. Uh, and I'm fortunate to sell that company, and now we're uh, building the next one. It's called Lift Lab. So how do you? Uh, how are you crazy enough to do uh, and have an analytics and attribution business, and then want to do it again? That's crazy. <laughs> uh, I guess what uh, happened is a change in the landscape. Uh, multi-touch attribution was a lot of fun to work on. It was really, really rich data, looking at kind of customer journeys and consumer journeys. Uh, you know, through the uh, through the uh, acquisition funnel. Um, but we're realizing that that data is all going away. Privacy concerns are making 
the data that we used to, you know, we used to know that uh, Dylan, uh, you know, uh, didn't click on an ad, but saw the impression of it. And that, that data is harder and harder to attribute to, to Dylan in the first place. And so Lift Lab is a refresh of the, of the problem, but with a completely new approach. Yeah, well, pretty timely. Uh, how, how are you responding to uh, the whole Apple uh, and Facebook fiasco right now? Uh, we're actually smiling. Uh, that <laughs> was the premise of Lift Lab. Uh, 18 months ago, is if all that data were to go away, uh, what would you do about it? What, how would you still have a, a reasonable method for measuring? And so uh, we're actually just being proven right and in the right place at the right time. Ooh, I love it. I love it. So give us a give us kind of a high level of the, I guess your your approach and your your model at uh, Lift Lab on the analytics side. Yeah, you're, you're seeing this uh, uh, happening kind of in, in mobile gaming right now where they're, they're, all of their measurements been turned upside down. And uh, I think what most brands are, are recognizing is that they have to have some embrace of kind of top-down attribution. Uh, and what we mean by top-down is um, really being able to look at the signals of when I spend, what happens at the cash register, right? Or when I spend, am I able to light up the checkout page? Um, so it is through advanced modeling. It's um, also underpinned by advanced experiments. Uh, and so if you don't have that user level data, if, it, if, it, if, it's, if it's kind of getting thinner and, and churning towards no, you know, no data, uh, what were the techniques that you put in play? And, and you kind of have to be smarter about it. Um, and, and that's really the, the motivation for LiftLab. God, that's a breath of fresh air to hear, to be honest with you, with all the tracking issues we're having these days. So like, oh my gosh, I'm geeking out on this. Because I know one thing we did recently is, you know, with the whole 28-day click, one-day view window, that Facebook's seeing with the new updated seven-day click, one-day view, we've had to create, you know, customized ROAS multipliers, essentially, to where we would just go back for six to eight months of data, kind of gauge what the revenue was on a one-day click, one-day view, seven-day click, 28-day click kind of broke out the numbers to find more of the averages. So, you know, with this iOS 14 fiasco, we can essentially have some tunnel vision into kind of what our average kind of results are based off kind of previous, you know, metrics there essentially. So far, it's, it's still pretty early on in it, but it seems to be, you know, helping a little bit, kind of being a little bit more proactive. But sheesh, man, I imagine it's going to be blowing up for y'all even more, you know, once, you know, more of this kind of comes to life. Yeah, I mean, uh, just those attribution numbers that you rattle off, uh, we're pretty impervious to it. Uh, we have a kind of uh, a North Star, uh, which is uh, we want to hold them, um, the, the marketing and the media accountable for changes at the cash register or changes in the checkout page. So we're, mm. we're, we're not looking ever at the platform or a reported uh, attribution. We, we, we know it's wrong and we're not trying to use experiments to fix it. Uh, we're saying what the platform reports reliably is spend in impressions and clicks. And can those be used to explain, again, ch changes at the cash register? That makes complete sense there. So it's a lot of more ecosystem and blended numbers versus platform specific just because they're consistently never that accurate. Absolutely. On a given day, you're going to have a, a healthy amount of revenue. I, I wish you do for your business, right? Without a specific campaign, even without a specific platform. So the question is, as I flex muscles on that platform and I go from no spend up to, you know, whatever your daily is, 100 Okay, uh, uh, what is that? What does that look like? You know, it's not a constant effect. We know the earlier dollars in work better than the later dollars in. All marketers are, are kind of in tune with the fact that there's diminishing returns on these platforms, and really, this is a methodology to go tease that out. 
That's interesting. So with these like super large brands, you are kind of, you know, analyzing spending, you know, well over a hundred million a year. Do they really, you know, when they're kind of doing the reporting or you're assisting, is it pretty blended? Do they care about platform specific metrics or is it, Hey, we spent, you know, 20 K across every single platform today. We generated 30 K in sales. Cool. It's profit. Is that kind of how they're looking at it? Or are they getting really, you know, micro on a kind of, you know, tracking method? Yeah. Uh, so the, the tracking and, and platform uh, 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 work is still in place. There's people looking at that and, and, and using it for kind of last minute uh, optimization. So it's, it's not a, it, it doesn't go away. Uh, no, the, the North star here is um, for any of these tactics, any of these, platforms and, and all the way to the campaign level, uh, how is the last dollar for spent? How is the last dollar performing, right? The last dollar spent. And, um, you know, never want to see that number go negative, right? We, we never want to spend a dollar and, and not have the cash register ring enough. Uh, and so that, that, that's, that, that becomes a North star and it's done over and over again by, by platform, um, by tactic and all the way down to by, by campaign. That makes complete sense. Well, let's get to the nitty gritty, y'all. So, of course, we love to kind of see or dive into what you see working these days, kind of just based off y'all's kind of, you know, clientele base. So, I mean, what's y'all's rich at here? What's working good? <laughs> uh, you know, I I, uh, I think that every ad is a good ad or a rich ad. Uh, and the question is just kind of how much and, and what separates them. I, I like to remind all of my uh, marketing friends, like, you have an easy job. Right. And what I mean by that is you only can make revenue go up uh, and you have to think about it. Marketers have to work pretty darn hard to make revenue go down. I, maybe somebody that got in hot water doing that recently was uh, was Peloton. Right. Didn't they make it in the news? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's what we were chatting on before to where a little sexist issue. And I remember <laughs> I watched it and I was like, what are people freaking out about? But I guess, you know, it's different perspectives. But yeah, that wreaks some havoc. But at the end of the day that got so much awareness out for them to where once it kind of blew over, I feel like it blew them up even more. It's where, you know, whether it's a good ad or bad ad, it probably did something good for them, you know, in the long run. Yeah. It's just to say that you have to try hard to make sales go down. Uh, you, you know, you'd have to kind of, so we, we know that at a minimum marketing is flat, but it's usually positive. And so then the question is what, what's, what's different between a good ad and a rich ad? What's different between a good cohort and a bad cohort? And again, our our our, uh, our north star on that is is look at all of these, look at them simultaneously, and just know at the current spin level that you have, how is the last dollar performing, and that informs whether you put another dollar in there or somewhere else where it yields higher. Now, with us being on the case for Peloton, what's been one of the more profitable campaigns you've seen that you know it's it's not a kind of revolutionary you know tactic I would imagine most strategies are pretty common across most brands I feel like none of it's too revolutionary there but but what's been one you've probably seen a couple of the brands do that have kind of you know perked your eyebrows up a little bit like I kind of recognize this it seems to be working good for them yeah uh, you know for us it's it's getting a baseline for any evergreen campaign that's out there and and that's mm. usually eye-opening to take the uh, the performance of anything that's evergreen uh, and and start to state it on a last dollar basis. Uh, I think the area that people have been surprised is the uh, prospecting uh, campaigns. Uh, when they're looking at them often in, uh, in platform, uh, uh, call them platform dollars, uh, they're understated, uh, the quality of those campaigns. And so uh, watching uh, brands be able to more and more comfortably uh, fund prospecting campaigns and, and then th where, that, th where that movie goes is to say, what are the audiences that are, that are better for me, um, right? So 
it, we, I, I love watching the, the eyes light up of a marketer that says all the audiences are good, but this is where I'd spend the next dollar. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, hey, everything's working, but we should really kind of ramp up this area because it's the best opportunity cost there. So you were kind of on the topic for prospecting. I'm curious on your thoughts on retargeting. Do you have any kind of baselines for, you know, if somebody is spending, shoot, $100 million a year, what do they kind of allocate to retargeting and how worth it really is? Since you've already kind of spent some money on the front end. Now you're going to spend some more money on the back end, maybe hit them with the email side. What are your thoughts on the overall retargeting side of things these days? Uh, I, we've confirmed multiple times that, 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 that retargeting works. And again, it becomes a question of, have I spent at the appropriate level on it or have I overspent on it or, you know, underspent on it. And again, versus all the other things that I have, uh, in the, in the portfolio that I could be spending on, I can give you an example of where retargeting, you know, didn't work so well for a customer. Let's hear it. Uh, and, <laughs> and it goes back to those cohorts, right? But they're very, very most loyal customers, right? So this was a, a retail brand and, and they've got customers that are kind of customer for life. Um, it turns out that um, they were giving them a lot of incentives to transact. In some cases, these people were even carrying a credit card with the store's name on it. Um, and, uh, you, you can't spend on retargeting there and make a difference, right? Putting an ad in the newsfeed of your best customer, they don't care, right? It's the fact that you're giving them triple points or other incentives. And so, you know, it's not, it's not to say that customers stop retargeting, but they found areas where the retargeting just doesn't have an effect. That makes sense. So kind of once you have some data to kind of gauge, okay, cool. When somebody's bought from us, maybe three times, we know they're going to keep coming back. They already have a card on file, most likely. So it'd probably be more beneficial for us to kind of hit those first time buyers, maybe middle of funnel users to kind of use that money wisely, I guess you can say. Correct. Yeah. Um, so if you, what's happening is if you're looking at the averages, you're continuing to spend on these really good customers, they bump up the conversions because you know, they're going to buy. And so being able to find those patterns and capitalize on it's kind of really the motivation. That makes total sense. Now on your deep dives, do you ever kind of look into LTV? That's always been a fun topic to where, Hey, what is this worth on a one day, seven day, 30 day, 180 day? I'd be curious on with the types of brands y'all work with, how large of a role LTV plays when it comes to, you know, setting up those KPIs to acquire new customers, essentially. Uh, yeah, it really depends on the business. Uh, and and yeah. for us, they, they really, I, the camps that I put them in, are they a transactional business or are they a, a retention kind of uh, subscription business? And so for transactional marketers, it, it, they are really living for the next transaction. They can't really go much past the next, you know, the next one, uh, whether I need a sweater or not is, is really going to be what, why I'm on the, you know, the website shopping for sweaters. Um, and so it's very different um, when you move over to a, a customer that has an app uh, or is doing something um, that's really subscription based. Uh, and, and that's where you see kind of gaming. That's where you see LTV kind of really come into the equation. So what's the secret on getting LTV back into your, your, your ROAS, right? I mean, like there's, there's been a lot of different analytics tools that have popped up in the last like three years where, you know, they're, they're, uh, taking their CRM revenue, you know, their Stripe data, Shopify data, and, and kind of pushing that in back to the ad IDs or the device IDs. But, um, and even some that are matching um, based on email address, right? Email opt-in to email purchase. 
yeah. kind of like the end of those. So what's the uh, what's what's the Lift Lab approach to um, you know getting that LTV revenue back into uh, the uh, matched with the advertising data? Yeah, we're. I mean, I, like we said at the beginning, uh, the best practices in LTV have just kind of gotten torpedoed um, by issues in tracking. Uh, and those best practices, you still also can sometimes question just how strong they were. They were industry practices, but you know, a lot of the, a lot of the LTV analysis was still tied to last click. Uh, you know, how did I, how did I get this subscriber? And they attached that to a particular, you know, campaign and, and platform. Uh, it, it's causing people to hit the reset button. Uh, uh, you know, our, our, our stance on this is, um, you need to go traffic you need to go traffic a spend experiment. You need to say, if I'm, if I'm spending on this channel and I'm acquiring people, uh, how much can I influence LTV? I mean, really that diminishing return, it, it plays into LTV as well. We all know that the more that we spend on any given tactic, the crappier the clicks get, right? It's just the, the, the auctions are not infinite. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, that has a big um, weight down on LTV. You're going to start to get people that are kind of tire kickers and but ne- never really stay with the brand. Hmm. That makes total sense, especially when they're expecting deals and whatnot, incentives every single week or something. But man, okay, that's interesting. So Rich had knocked out. I want to hear some horror stories. So I mean, what have been some of the cases you've seen that have resulted in very poor ads or just flop strategies or things that kind of just been like, ooh, we probably could have avoided that pretty hardcore. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's those there's those edge cases where people have spent money and made sales go down, but unfortunately, that's just really uh, uh, not that common. Uh, what we are always looking for is uh, an on guard against our where are the cases where you're spending more than it's producing, right? If you're if you're if your last dollars in you you know your whatever your last ten thousand dollars in you don't move the needle enough in terms of revenue you really have passed diminishing returns and you have no business doing that, right? It's, it's just hard to argue, especially if uh, you uh, had another channel where you actually were still leaving money on the table. So that that for us is kind of the, the do not go zone. Uh, it's always a bit sobering when those are found. It's fortunately not often the case. Uh, so often there's still lift in these campaigns and it really becomes a question about where I want to put the dollar, but those chances, uh, where you've actually overspent your past saturation. Uh, that's what we're on guard against. Um, and think about, put, do you, I don't know if it's happened to you, Dylan, or, you know, but if, if you're the person who has found a case where they've overspent, think about when you're un, un, unwinding that. You kind of have to hold your breath. You have to cut spend. We know revenue is going to go down. Remember, revenue only goes up, except for yeah. edge cases. So you're going to have to watch revenue go down, but it goes down less than what you that you pocketed in savings, right? Uh, that just taking uh, marketing teams through that exercise is always, uh, you know, it's always eye opening. Now, what are some of the cases you've seen where, hey, we're going to ramp up, sales are going down, you know, sales should only be going up, you know, regardless of kind of what's going on based on the growth side, but what have been a couple cases where it's kind of flip-flopped? No, we, yeah, so the only case, uh, the only uh, uh, scenario where uh, we would cut spend and watch sales go down is that the spend savings outweighs the decrease in revenue, right? So that, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. so that's the hold the breath moment and saying, okay, I just pocketed 10 grand and sales went down by whatever, pick your number, three three grand. That's a smart decision. 
Uh, and now you get a double whammy because you're going to go put those 10 grand that you saved into another uh, campaign uh, where it's, it has positive yield. That makes definite sense. Yeah, it's interesting. The amount of people I, I even come across, hey, we're spending, you know, 30K a month. You want to spend 100K a month with the exact same stats. It never goes that way. Would you be able to explain why, you know, when you kind of ramp up and start doubling budgets of why your CPA or your, you know, acquisition costs may differ? Did you have any kind of insights on that side of things to where, you know, no metrics going to stay the same at kind of, you know, higher spin thresholds, essentially? Yeah, I mean, it's it's diminishing returns. Uh, you're, uh, you know, you're relying on these platforms to find uh, the best targeting. They're using machine learning. They've got tons of data. They've tracked consumers, you know, eight ways to Sunday. Uh, the whole point of using those models and taking advantage of them is that the cream is at the front, right? Your, your, your earlier dollars in are performing better uh, than your later dollars in. And so uh, it, it, that principle hasn't gone away. It, 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 uh, it, it holds for every platform as long as there's targeting in place. If, there's, if you're spending money, money randomly, right? if, if there's no targeting, then yeah, it doesn't hold. But once you start to try to cherry pick, and, and th then that's when you know that the quality is not infinite. You've, fr you've stacked the front of the deck with the best people. And it, at some point, the quality goes down. And really, it's your job as a marketer to kind of reverse engineer and figure out where that point is. That makes sense. Now, you kind of brought the algorithm and the machine learning side of things. How strong do you think those are on platforms these days, like freaking, you know, Google, Facebook, shoot, all these different, you know, acquisition tools? How, you know, well do you think the algorithm is performing? Because you mentioned kind of audience targeting. And is, if, you know, if your targeting is good, it's usually a little bit nicer there. But I've even noticed the algorithm is smarter than most media buyers. So whenever I try and get really specific with, you know, engaged shoppers, luxury goods, it usually kind of has the opposite effect. I usually feel like to where the more broad we go, the typically better just because of with the data we have, the machine learning is just so good for us. Yeah. I mean, that machine, I mean, look, look at the amount of sophistication that the, the teams that have been put together and look at the size of the, uh, of the platforms and the growth that they have. It's <laughs> yeah. None of it's an accident. It's because they're providing value, right? It's 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 uh, they're able to uh, provide lift, and their their marketing uh, juice is uh, often working better uh, than what we were doing, you know, whatever five years ago. Um, the same principle holds, though. Uh, at some point, those auctions get tired, right? There's fatigue. Uh, yep. You're you're <laughs> you're going too deep into the auction, and for lack of better terms, you start to get crappier clicks. Oh yeah, no, I, I run into that all the time. So, <laughs> I don't really get that. yeah, uh, I like the idea of putting. Uh, I, I mean, uh, putting more and more uh, uh, of the heavy lifting on the algorithms. And it, 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 as a marketer, you know, you have those cases where um, you know maybe uh, the cost of that really this does boil down to cost, right? The cost of targeting luxury people. Uh, like your example is is prohibitive, and you're better off buying um, call them the best prospects out of a machine learning driven uh, broad audience. And those questions that are what we answer day in and day out. Um, what's the economics of of scenario A? What's the economics of scenario scenario B? What I really like about this is that it's not often the answer is not winner take all, and so often uh, we we frame these in in marketing as as winner take all. Should I Fund audience A or audience B, right? Which one has a higher response rate? Okay, I, I'm going to run with that. Uh, I love uh, rethinking that and saying, what if the answer was spend $2,000 on audience A and $5,000 on audience B, right? Let's get the cream out of both audiences and just know at what point we want to stop, 
where, where do we hold them? Uh, a lot better than just saying all in on, on one audience. That makes sense. Hey, it's, it's probably safer not to put all those eggs in one basket with, you know, creative fatigue, audience fatigue, audience saturation. There are so many things out there that are just variables involved to kind of gauge performance. It's, it's only going to get messier too. And I was even reading something on how they're probably going to come up with some more restrictions on, you know, making Facebook and Google dive more into what their algorithm actually looks at. So I'm kind of curious where the future holds to, you know, understand more of how the algorithm works, how many data points are truly kind of tracking there. Cause that stuff's just bananas to me. And I, I love it. Yeah. I mean, their algorithms are black boxes. It, they're, you know, it's kind of tighter than the, than the, uh, you know, the recipe for Coca-Cola, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when those algorithms have big uh, uh, changes that happen, like, like the d- decrease in tracking for iOS 14, you're still going to rely on them. They're probably the best game in town. But that same principle that I'm talking about, you know, did that did that yield curve come down because Facebook's not working as well? That's all the industry wants to know uh, right now is, you know, w- when I was spinning them op- optimally last week and it had all of its uh, mojo and some of it's taken away, should I change my spin, right? And part of the change in tracking there and moving it to seven day, just it, it, it also – makes it a lot harder to compare. It's making everybody, you know, it's obfuscating quite a bit, you know, how much of this is due to a change in, in, in attribution rules and how much is it due to a change and they don't have the same mojo. Oh, exactly. Especially with the Q4 elections, you got Valentine's Day coming up, people gifting. So, I mean, with all the things going on, is it a tracking issue? Is it the iOS 14 update? Is it just buyer perception or consumer perception? It's just so wild these days on how many variables are involved in performance that, you know, it's, it's never really a one size fits all. Uh, if there's one thing for sure is that yesterday uh, is different than today. Uh, <laughs> and the list that you started is, is really is, is long, uh, as long as our arm, you know, there on the auction side, there's, you know, you have really control over some things, right? What you spend, uh, what, you know, what your ad quality is, where you choose to do placements, you know, creatives, your targeting, there's things that you don't control, like your competitor spend, uh, and changes to the algorithm. Right. And then the other side of this, besides the auction is as you acquire that traffic, how does it convert? Right. You get that traffic to the site, but, uh, your main thing on, on site, once you get that, if you made the decision to buy that traffic is really whether you're on promotion or not, right. Or you're making an offer, but so many things are out of your, out of your control, right? Um, uh, holidays, uh, seasonality, day of week, if a competitor has an offer, uh, your site performance, you don't necessarily control in marketing. Uh, inventory levels, if you're buying traffic and you don't have product, that's not going to convert <laughs> so well, right? Yeah. So, uh, the list gets long and um, all of that uh, is taken into account when you're making your friends. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend in partnership with MasterCard. And if you are an aggressive affiliate dealing with dozens of ad accounts, or you are in gray hat or black hat verticals, such as drop shipping, CBD, or other verticals where you're dealing with ad accounts getting shut down, business managers getting shut down, or even de-platform from platforms like Facebook and Google, then you absolutely need to check out Funnel Dash's ad card. We give you unlimited free virtual debit and credit cards. So you can have a dedicated card for every single ad account campaign. And you can attach any name and address in the US so you have complete anonymity on the card and at the card level. 
Plus, one of my favorite features is that you don't have to pre-fund or even top off like most typical virtual card solutions today. So if this is you and you're operating these verticals, whether you're an agency or an advertiser, then check out adcard at funneldash.com. Man. So let's dive into the final piece of the pie. You know, with the name of the podcast, we'd love to kind of find the crossroads of the marketing and the financial side of things. So I'm kind of curious what kind of financial tips or principles you can kind of share with the audience based off your expertise. Yeah, I mean, we um, we really do uh, take it back to first principles and say, if, if we're going to make spend decisions, uh, we can't look at platform ROAS. We can't look at last click ROAS. We need to know what is my marginal CAC or what's my marginal ROAS for every one of these uh, tactics, right? And so that 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 becomes the North Star. Uh, and you know, we gave examples where maybe that number went negative. Uh, we never want that to happen. Um, if you think about it, it does kind of simplify to say, I want the marginal CAC to be equal for all of my tactics, right? I shouldn't be overspending on one and making the CAC go down, marginal CAC go down, right? I, I should kind of have them trend towards similar performance. That makes, and, and, and when it comes to kind of testing different angular tactics or strategies, how do you kind of, you know, separate that? And it kind of, I guess it kind of stems from our earlier convo where, hey, we could have just one campaign A at 10K, let's feed the beast, or we can have campaign A or B at 5K a piece. What's your sweet spot on kind of testing these kind of tactics here? Yeah, well, we, we, we made a new style of experiment that's a spend level experiment. And so we'll take a, a, a campaign or a group of campaigns uh, and uh, the software clones them. Uh, in platform, it applies uh, geotargeting that's mutually exclusive. And again, at the geo level, we don't have exposure to you know challenges and and audience and tracking individuals. Uh, and we're saying as we pour more money into the system in this random randomized third of the country, what did we observe? Right? We know that as you spend more money, the CPC is going to go up, right? Or as you spend more money, the CPMs are going to go up. But at what rate? And as you spend more, and and the unit cost goes up. Um, what's the quality of conversion, right? And we know the response rates are going to go down. And it's those two dynamics over and over again that we're uh, kind of teasing out. And in this example, for, we're doing it independently for one audience, doing it at the same time for another audience. Uh, and that's what we're using to decode the economics. And then our, 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 de- our decode of the economics is for that audience, what was, and, and, and when I was spending $2,000, what was the next dollar yielding? And if our example from before, the second audience, you spend $5,000, you want those numbers to be equal. You wouldn't overspend, uh, uh, keep spending on one audience when its marginal performance is uh, you know, lower than an alternative. Okay, I want to know, what are you just absolutely most excited about and geeking out about right now um, of what you guys are working on at Lift Lab? It could be incredibly technical. It could be incredibly... Uh, specific but what are you uh what are you geeking out on right now uh well we are geeking out quite a bit on uh and i if, let's geek right out on on hierarchical modeling uh and what we mean by that is uh, as you spend on these campaigns there's a hierarchy right you you have uh the campaign level the tactic level the channel level uh, but on the outcome side, you have hierarchies, right? Some of that spend is dedicated for acquisition. So you can split out uh, new customers versus repeat. Uh, you have some of that spend that ends up being um, specific to a particular category or a particular line of business that you're advertising. So if you're really advertising for, uh, you know, 
uh, Bob's hammers, you don't expect that to have a whole lot of effect on the rest of the merchandise hierarchy. Um, and it's that intersection now to say, and you have different margin for different products, right? So now you're at the point of saying, if I had another dollar spin, where would I get the most margin? Where would marketing make the biggest contribution to profit? Uh, it's, it's intense, it's fun uh, stuff, and it's kind of the next level. Uh, you know, uh, contribution to profit is, is, is a graduation from, uh, from ROAS. Uh, it, it takes into account margin. And those are numbers you're not really going to try to start passing to the ad platforms, right? That, that's, that's kind of your business once we get to that level of detail. Oh my gosh, I can't wait uh, till just everybody stops using the word ROAS and starts using contribution margin and hierarchical attribution. Uh, that'll be a fun day. Uh, well, this has been an amazing episode, um, super geeky and, and, and dry. I think there's a certain uh, cohort of, of uh, Rich Ad, Poor Ad listeners that are going to really appreciate this. Um, well, good stuff. Well, tell us uh, how we can support you and uh, how can folks get in touch, John? Uh, yeah, well, uh, we're always uh, you know partnering and bringing new uh, marketing teams onto the platform. Um, you can find us at liftlab.com. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Cool, cool. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Zach. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ed Podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoored.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, go ahead and leave a review and a comment. Share with a friend. If you do, Take a copy, screenshot of it, email me, Zach at FunnelDash.com. Show me you left a review, and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ad book. To learn more about the book, go to RichAdPoorAd.com. To leave a review, go to RichAdPoorAd.com slash review. Thanks again.